Okay, gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you, and we praise you, and we bless your name. We thank you for being the author and the finisher of our faith, God. We thank you for being a God that hears us and heals us. God, we ask tonight that you would intervene on this in this Bible study, God. We pray that you would show up, that you would manifest your presence, and that you would speak to our hearts and to our minds, and that you would edify every listener, God, including the speaker. And we thank you right now, God, and we give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Thank God. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you again. Uh, we're grateful for this opportunity to uh, share God's word. I, I always count it a privilege. I always count it an honor to be able to share um, his word. It's just such a blessing to to have a calling on your life, to be chosen. And the beautiful thing about it is, you know, all of us are called and all of us are chosen. All of us have uh, some 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 job to do in Christ Jesus. A lot of times uh, people tend to put uh, more emphasis on ministers, uh, but we all have a job to do. We all have something that we are called to do. And I glorify God, uh, again, for an opportunity to share some of his sacred word. His word keeps us. His word that strengthens us. His word that teaches us. His word that leads and and guide us. Uh, I, I want to start off briefly. I want to share uh, my testimony. That's something that I have to do. It's mandatory. I'm so grateful uh, for God um, being a part of my life and all the many blessings that he has restored upon my life, uh, especially how he's shown up uh, to bless me physically um, over the years, but even more recently. Uh, uh, one of the, of the challenges that I faced a few years back was I was diagnosed with uh, a brain tumor, and God blessed me to endure 10 hours of surgery to have that brain tumor removed. And it, it wasn't just a walk in the park. I had to do extensive rehab after the surgery, uh, speech therapy, and um learning how to um, to walk properly again. I have trouble with this word, and this has nothing to do with the brain tumor, but uh, my equilibrium that uh, was was very off, and my balance was horrible, and, um, and I had to learn to use uh, my cell phone again. I knew the, ba- the basics, which was, to make a call, but how to navigate and all those things that that required thinking uh, had to be relearned again. Even um, by trade, I worked in the computer industry, and it was difficult to do simple things like write emails. It would take me uh, over an hour to write one or two lines um, to send out an email. Uh, but God brought me through that, and then being diagnosed with a second brain tumor. But but God was so merciful, and so and so, uh, I'm so grateful that He brought me through that. And then to suffer four heart attacks, five heart attacks. I was I had the first heart attack in '09 on my birthday, 
and I was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy and congestive heart failure. And my condition got worse and worse to the point, at one point, my heart was only operating at 2%. And it was then that they determined that I needed a heart transplant. And uh, when I got on the list, um, uh, one of the requirements was there were two surgeries that you had to have prior to even getting the transplant. And when I went in for the first surgery, as a matter of fact, it was this month, August of 2015, I went in for the first of those two surgeries. And when I came out of surgery, uh, I felt restriction. I couldn't turn my neck completely to one side. And it was then that I discovered that I had a tube running out of my neck into my heart, and the doctors explained to me that I wasn't going home because once they performed the surgery, that my heart was a lot worse than they thought it was, and it wasn't safe for me to go home, and that I would be in the hospital probably up until a year until they found a donor to uh, give me a heart. And after being in the hospital, I don't remember exactly how long it was, but some time had passed, and it was on a Monday morning. They came into my room, and they said, Mr. Lee, we have some bad news. Um, your condition has even worsened, and we can't even wait for you to get a, a, uh, a donor. We need to give you an artificial heart. And they came in with several models, and I just couldn't come to grips with it. I, 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 for, for whatever reason, the Lord was leading me not to accept. If I would have accepted that that artificial heart, they told me they would have given it to me right then and there. And every day they would come in my room and they would try to convince me to get that surgery. And each time I would reject, uh, I kept telling them, no, I didn't want the artificial heart. And then some more time passed. And they said, well, we got some good news. You're responding to the medication. We're going to send you home for about 14 days. We're going to let you get your affairs together. Uh, but we need you to return back to this hospital and schedule the surgery for the artificial heart. And a day before I was to return to the hospital to schedule that surgery, I got a phone call from the hospital telling me that they had to postpone my appointment and that the next closest appointment was 18 days later. And when I returned to the hospital to schedule the surgery, um, God had moved. God had began to uh, do what he does. And when they began to examine me, uh, the countenance on the doctors and the medical staff and the nurses um, began to change. They couldn't understand how I had drastically improved. And they said, we, we don't want to do this right away. Let's, 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 let's push back this surgery. Uh, we want to see you in three weeks. And then I returned in three weeks and had improved even more. And they kept on, each time I went back, they would push it back another three weeks until they pushed me right out of the, out of the program uh, and took me off the list because God had moved in a miraculous way. As I said, at that time, my heart 
was at 2%. And God has blessed me. Um, um, it's operating at 15% now. But I'm so grateful that God has blessed me, that God has touched my body, and he allowed me to be here. So many people that uh, I know and don't know uh, have come and gone since then. Even recently, it just seems like there's more deaths than I ever remember it being. Every time you look up, uh, someone is passing, and not just old people. When I was a youngster, it seemed like it was only old people that were dying, but there are young people dying um, in countless numbers. But God has saw fit to still allow me to be amongst the land of the living, and I'm so grateful, and I appreciate it. Uh, even at the tender age of 19, in 1985, I got married, and I always say the plan was to be married and stay married and grow old together and enjoy our children and our grandchildren, but God had another plan, and God called her home last year, 2018, March 19th of 2018. She suffered from the same exact heart condition that I have, cardiomyopathy and congestive heart failure. And the research will tell you that when you have cardiomyopathy along with congestive heart failure, that your life expectancy is uh, three to five years. And God has blessed me. I was diagnosed in 2009, and here it is, 2019. It's been uh, 10 years. And God has blessed me to still be here. I can even remember a time when a doctor told me that I didn't have two weeks to live. I can remember uh, um, being rushed to the ER and another doctor telling me that when you flatline, do you want to be resuscitated? And he further emphasized, I'm not just saying uh, if you flatline. He said, when you flatline, and he said, and you are going to flatline, is what this doctor told me. Do you want to be resuscitated? And I told him yes, and he said, I need it in writing. Then the next question was, if you should end up on life support, uh, how long do you want to be on life support? I need it in writing. Do you want it to be three months, six months, a year? Uh, your condition is so bad that we are expecting the worst. But how many know that when you trust God, when you believe God, and when you turn your life over to God, and when you turn your affairs over to God, that we believe the report of the Lord? And I'm not saying that we walk around in complete denial and we don't do our part as far as taking care of ourselves and, 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 and eating healthy and and proper diet and exercise and medication. I'm not saying that we ignore those things, but I'm saying that when we have done our part, we serve a God um, that is able. We serve a God that when all the odds are against us, that um, God is able to step in and say, I'm going to have the last say-so. And he just, and he does that. He does that. So I'm grateful to be here tonight. I'm grateful to be on this line to be able to share God's word. 
because if, if things had have gone how uh, the doctors had expected them to, to go, they would have buried me a number of years ago. They would have buried me a number of years ago. But God saw fit to allow me to be here, and I'm grateful and I appreciate God working in a great and a mighty way. I want to, uh, for those of you that have your Bibles to turn to the book of Ezekiel. I want to come from a very familiar uh, passage of Scripture, Ezekiel, the 37th chapter of Ezekiel, and starting at verse number 1, Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse number 1 is where we'll be starting. I don't know if time will permit me to get through the complete text. It's about 14 scriptures that cover the whole story, um, but my my uh, endeavor is not, per se, to get through all 14. I'm just going to um, get through what God, God gives me, and um, we do want to be mindful of the time. I don't want to go any longer than um, 8 o'clock or maybe 7.45, something like that, and, and so, but we're grateful. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 37. And verse number one reads, The hand of the Lord was upon me. This is Ezekiel talking. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. And I got excited when I just began to read the first part of that, that text when it said the hand of the Lord was upon me. And I couldn't help but think about the, the, the different times that my health was failing, how the hand of the Lord was upon me. I couldn't help but think about the times when I was face-to-face with death. I knew that the hand of the Lord was upon me. Now, don't get me wrong, the doctors were good, but it was not the hand of the doctor that spared my life. It was not the hand of the medical staff. It was not the hands of the nurses that they were so skilled and so equipped. And don't get me wrong, I I know they're professionals, and I know they know um, their job and their duty, but it was the hand of the Lord that was upon me. I can remember on two different occasions that the death angel came into my room. One of the times I was actually in the hospital, another time I was at home. And I actually seen the death angel, and I felt his presence, but I also felt the presence of God, and, and I felt the, uh, the hand of God upon my life and told death to behave. How many know that we serve a God that can tell death to back up, that can tell sickness to back up, that can make illness behave and to line it up with the word of the Lord? So here Ezekiel says, The hand of the Lord was upon me. I'm so grateful to have God's hand upon me. I'm not talking about, I I have a great mother. My mom is a great person, and and, and it's great to have her hand upon me. It's great to have great relatives' hands upon you, but there is nothing like having the hand of the Lord upon you. Uh, You know, in the secular world, there are certain people. Uh, that, that are prominent 
that uh, the world looks to that I wish they could have their hands upon me. You know, people say if, if, if I could just rub shoulders with Oprah Winfrey and, and if she had her hand upon my life and she could bless me financially or, or lead my, my career and, or guide my career that I would be okay. People look to Tyler Perry and people look to Steve Harvey and, and, and in the secular world, everybody's talking about Jay-Z right now, especially with how he is now taking up on this new task uh, with the NFL. Those people are wonderful. It's, it's good to, to be able to, uh, to know these people or be able to interact with these people. But let me tell you, I'd rather have Jesus than anyone. I'd rather have the Lord's hand upon me. The hand is the most frequent uh, symbolized part of the human body. The hand is the most frequently symbolized part of the body. The hand can give blessings. The hand, um, it can be expressive. You can express yourself uh, with your hand. Uh, it is. It has been said that the hand is the tool of all tools. It's been said that the hand can generate strength and generate power and generate protection. When you think about how people uh, lift weights and do exercises, they in, in many cases they use their hands to lift the weights. So they use their hands to do push-ups and pull-ups and chin-ups. And, and, and the hands are very important, but I'm so grateful that the hand of the Lord is upon my life. And Ezekiel went on to elaborate a little further. He said, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. And I, I, I looked at that, and I kind of got a little excited about that. I don't know about you, but I want God to carry me. I, I, I want God to, to uh, lift me up. I want God to elevate me. I want God to move me, to bless me. I want God to anoint me. Ezekiel said the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me. I don't know about you, but I want to be carried by God. I want to be ushered by God. I want to be moved by God. I want to be prompted by God in all that I do. I don't want to be motivated by my own thoughts or motivated by my own intellect or, or motivated by my own wisdom. I want to move as God instructs me to move. I want to be moved by the Lord. So the hand of the Lord was upon me. And listen. He carried me by the Spirit, and he sat me down. And when I looked at that verse, when I looked at that portion of the verse where it said he sat me down, in most cases, whenever somebody sits you down, they got something important to say. Have you ever been in a meeting and they say, have a seat, I got something to tell you? Or you get a, uh, a phone call, and the first thing they ask you, are you sitting down? I got something I got to tell you, and, and it's going to be devastating. I need you to sit down. Or in some cases, it's real good news, or in other cases, it's real bad news. But something is about to take place when they tell you that you need to have a seat. You need to sit down. You, you know something is about to occur when you're being told to have a seat. And so the Bible says that God sat Ezekiel down, and I began to let my mind even roam through the scriptures. And I thought about how when Jesus began to feed 
the, um, the thousands of people that the Bible knows that he sat them down, and that even represented order. I don't know about you, but I need my life to be in order. I need my life to be in tune with the word of God. I need my life to be in tune with, with God's um, statutes. And so the Bible says that God sat Ezekiel down. He was getting ready to minister to him. He was getting ready to speak to him. He was getting ready to share something with him. So he needed him to sit down and, and be stable. We need to stop being so active, and sometimes you need to just sit down. I think of the scripture where God spoke to Moses and said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes we think that activity means doing God's will. Sometimes we, we feel being mobile and movement means being holy. It means being uh, 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 living right. But sometimes God wants you to just sit down and let him give you some wisdom and let him give you some instruction and let him teach you something and let him show you something and let him manifest something to you. Let him show you his word and his will. So the Bible says that God sat Ezekiel down. And the interesting thing is when he sat him down, the Bible said that he sat him down in the midst of the valley. When I think of a valley, I think of something that's dry. When I think of the valley, I think of something that's hot. I don't think about a lot of water, a lot of uh, uh, moisture. God, you know, it, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I just kind of think of, of, of uncomfortable when I think about the valley. Have you ever been in a situation that was uncomfortable? Have you ever been in a condition where you were uncomfortable? And guess what? Being uncomfortable does not necessarily mean that you are out of the will of God. Being uncomfortable doesn't necessarily mean that you are not pleasing God. As a matter of fact, sometimes it takes being uncomfortable to draw closer to God. Sometimes it takes being uncomfortable to, to, to stretch out and to extend yourself to get what God wants you to be. So God saw fit to take Ezekiel and sit him down in the midst of the valley. And not only that, not only did he sit him down in the midst of the valley, but it was full of bones. Full of bones. Now, I'm going to be honest. When I think of bones, I think of something that that's dead. When I think of bones, I think of something that has been devoured or something that has been consumed, and yet, you know, a chicken bone, uh, you know, what, you know, uh, I think of a turkey bone or something like that, something that is without, something that has been consumed or uh, something that is no longer in existence. And if you look at verse number two, the Bible said, and this is Ezekiel speaking, so, and he calls me, to pass round about them. So in other words, when I, when I think about that scripture, when it said he called me to pass round about them, I just kind of think of Ezekiel casually taking his time and walking around these bones. He didn't just take a glance. He didn't just take a peek. He didn't look out the corner of his eye 
And I'm going to tell you why. Not only did he go round about them, but he went on. And he had already told you that it was full of bones, but he went on to say, and behold, they were very many in the valley. So now he's got an even broader look. It, it wasn't just bones, but it was very many of the bones. And lo, they were very dry. These bones were very dry, which means they had probably been there for a long time, had probably been forsaken, had been forgotten, neglected, had been passed over. Have you ever felt neglected? Have you ever felt passed by? Have you ever felt not important or not significant or left out? Have you ever felt like everybody was getting blessed except you? Have you ever felt dry? I mean, no lubric, no lubrication nowhere, no, no, uh, no Vaseline, no lotion, uh, no petroleum jelly, none of those things. The Bible says that these bones were dry, very dry, and it was, and it was, and it was a lot of them. But let me tell you something. God was showing Ezekiel something. God was about to show him his power. And just because you are in a situation where it may seem hopeless, where you may seem forsaken, where you may seem forgotten, keep in mind God has not forgotten you. God is not forsaken. He said, lo, I am with you always, even, even until the end of the earth. And in verse number three, it says, he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? I'm, I'm going to say that again. God said to Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? And I thought that was very interesting, and it really caught my attention. And I need you to understand that any time God asks you a question, you can best believe that God already has the answer. God is not asking you a question because he is uh, ignorant, or he's not asking you a question because he's unburned, or he's not asking you a question uh, because he has a lack of knowledge, but when God asks you a question, what he's trying to get you to do is to begin to think. When God asks you a question, he's provoking you to think. Whenever you are posed with who, what, when, or why, or how, God is not confused. God is not bewildered. God is not baffled. God is not mixed up. He's not senile. He, 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 he doesn't have uh, dementia. He isn't losing his mind, but he's trying to get you to think, and he's trying to get you to realize that he is God. When God turned to Adam in Genesis 3 and 9 and asked him, where are you? God knew exactly where he was at. God hadn't lost his mental capability. 
God had not lost his vision and that he couldn't see Adam or didn't know where Adam was. When God said to Jeremiah in uh, Jeremiah 32 and 27, Behold, I am the Lord thy God, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? God already knew the answer. God already knew that there was nothing too hard for him. There was no problem that God couldn't solve. There's no disease that he couldn't heal. There is uh, no question that he didn't have the answer to. God is almighty. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. And God asks questions only to motivate you to think, or only to get you to remember, or only to get you to reflect, only to get you to get your mind to start uh, uh, t- start turning, to hold on, wait a second here. I even think about um, the prodigal son, and when he had got himself in trouble and got himself in a situation, when his mind began to think, when he began to uh, really begin to to think, he said, hold on a second. Let me go back home. And that's what some of us need to do. We need to start thinking, oh, hold on, God. I need to go back home. I need to return to my first love, as it talks about in the book of Revelation. I need to return back to God. Maybe you have strayed away. Maybe you have ventured off a little bit too far into your own plan, and you need to come back to God's plan. So God began to ask. Ezekiel a question. God began to question him and said, can these bones live? Ezekiel said, and I answered, oh Lord, thou knowest. In other words, God, you know you have the answer already. God, you are so powerful and so amazing and you already know the answer to the question. And I need everyone to understand that God is still in control. I don't care how dark your hour is. I don't care how bad the report is. I don't care how bad the news is. I don't care who has given up on you. I don't care what has given up on you. It could be a whole, a whole system, a country, a family. Your loved ones could give up on you. But all you have to do is continue to trust God. All you have to do is Keep believing God. All you have to do is keep leaning on his word and leaning on his promises and understand that he is in complete control. In the fourth verse, it says, and again he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now listen to this. This is very important. The first thing Ezekiel did was identify what the problem was. Oh, ye dry bones. And that's what we need to do. We need to identify what is it that's keeping me from the glory of God or what is it that's keeping me from tapping into his greatness or tapping into his goodness. What is it that's keeping me from getting to the next level? What is it that's keeping me uh, here on step one when I should be 
on step five or step ten. We need to identify, Lord, what is it that's keeping me from being all that I could be, should be, would be, could be. It's time to do some soul searching. It's time to stop blaming, blaming everybody else and everything else and start looking within ourselves and saying, Lord, it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not, it's not my sister. It's not my brother. It's not my father. It's not my mother. It's me. We have to be uh, accountable for our own actions. We, we have to stop looking at other things and other people and blaming these things and these people for us not being all that we could be and that we are able to be and say, guess what, Lord, I'm putting my best foot forward. God, for you, I'll live, and for you, I'll die. We got to think like the three Hebrew boys did. God, you know what, I'm not going to bend, I'm not going to bow, and I know one thing. God, if you don't do it, you can do it. God, if it don't happen, it's not because you don't have the ability. God, if it doesn't happen, it just means that it wasn't your will for it to happen. I don't know about you, but I'm living right. I don't know about you, but I'm living up right before God. I don't care if things don't go the way I mapped it out, the way I planned it, the way I wrote it down on the paper, the way I doodled it, the way I I saw it in my mind. I'm still trusting God. I still believe God. I have enough uh, sense to know that as long as I keep my hand in God's hand, everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be all right. So Ezekiel identified the problem and said, Oh, ye dry bones. Oh, ye uh, uh, you dry bones. I, I see it and I know and I identify the problem. And then he said, Hear the word of the Lord. It's time for us to put the word of the Lord on things. Because everything is subject to the word of the Lord. Everything has to take the back seat to the word of the Lord. Everything is subject to the word of the Lord. I think about when Jesus was even in the wilderness. He said, it is written. Every time the devil came upon Jesus, uh, Jesus said, it is written. Every time he tried to tempt Jesus, Jesus said, it is written. Uh, when he tried to get him to break the fast, you know, he said it is written. When he tried to get himself, get him to throw himself down, he said it is written. It's in the word. And the beautiful thing about it is that God's word will never fail. He actually said in his word in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35, he said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. Matthew 5 and 18 says, For verily I say unto you, to heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle should not and one no wise pass from the law to all be fulfilled. God's word is concrete. God's word is sure. You can take it to the bank. It's better than money. God's word is more valuable than finances. God's word is more um, valuable than, than position. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. I'd rather have Jesus than be uh, 
a millionaire. I'd rather have Jesus than be a billionaire. Now, don't get me wrong. Yes, it takes finances to exist. It takes finances to do uh, the finer things in life. But I'm going to tell you, I'd rather have Jesus. I mean, in my darkest hour, I can remember times being laid up in the hospital on my back. But to be able to call on the name of Jesus and know that he's there, know that I can feel his presence, even there as, as the old song used to say, and I know it to be a fact for myself. When they used to sing the song, if I can't just if I can't say a word, I'll just wave my hand. I can remember times when I just couldn't speak. I mean literally couldn't, and I would just wave my hand. And then there's other times when I couldn't literally speak, but I didn't have the words. I didn't have the, the terminology. I didn't have the proper wording to articulate what it was that I needed from God. But God knows your moans and your, your groans and your your hums and, 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 and all those things. And they are able to communicate with God because God ultimately knows your heart and your intentions. So we have to trust God. We have to believe in his word. His word is the only thing that is, that is concrete and that it will never fail. And it is written. We have it as proof that God is there for us. God will meet our every need according to his riches and glory. He put it in his word so that we wouldn't be dismayed. He, he put it in the contract. So from time to time, uh, you can look back at the contract or look back at the manual and realize that if I stand on these promises, God is going to show up. If I trust and believe in his word, He's going to show up. I can't go by what I feel or go by what I see. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not not seen. Well, so I don't see a way, but I believe it. I don't see the end result, but I believe it. I don't see a way out, but I know God is going to bring me out. I don't have the answers. I don't have um, um, the intellect, but I trust God. And I believe God, and I know he's going to bring it to pass. I know he's going to work everything out. I know that if I just continue to trust him and to trust his word and believe his word, that he's going to show up. And guess what? It may not be in your timing. It may not be in the time that you have sketched out for him to show up. But what I've learned is God is always there. He's always present, and he's always speaking. I preached a message a number of years ago called When God is Silent. But the point that I was really trying to make is that he's never silent. Even uh, when we don't hear him, he's still speaking. Sometimes it's in a still, small voice. If you, if you look at his creation, if you look at the trees, if you look at the flowers, God is speaking. Isn't it a miracle how the sun raise, comes up every morning and the moon comes up every night like clockwork. You, you don't have to wonder if it's going to happen. And that's how sure and how confident we have to be in God's word. That's how sure and how confident we need to be in God's word, that it's going to happen because he said it. 
It's going to come to pass. Why? Because he said it. I don't have to try to figure it out. I don't have to try to work it out. It's not for me to figure out. It's not for me to work out. It's no different than when we hire an attorney to handle our legal affairs. Once we hire that attorney, what we do is we give them the facts. We give them the scenario. We tell them uh, what happened. And once we give them the facts, it no longer becomes our battle. It now becomes that attorney's battle. It's no longer my concern what this attorney's opening statement is going to be or what is his closing statement is going to be or when is he going to object or, uh, or when is he going to get mad and throw something across the room. It's, not, it's no longer my concern. It is no longer my battle. And it's the same way with God. The song says, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. That's also scripted. It's not just a song. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. But what people have a tendency of doing is taking their burdens to the Lord and turning right back around and picking them up. A lot of times before people even get off their knees, they're starting to worry again about the problem. They're starting to contemplate how God is going to fix it. And God is saying for us to just trust his word and just believe his word, and he will work out everything. I'm going to probably I'm going to cover one more verse, and I'm going to close. Cover one more verse. I'm going to cover verse number five. It said, thus said the Lord unto these bones. He's prophesying now. Behold, I will cause breath to enter to you, and ye shall live. I'm going to say that again. Behold, I will cause breath to enter unto you, and ye shall live. Only God can bring life to something that is dead. Only God can bring life to something that is lifeless. Only God can bring life to something that has been forsaken. Only God can revive something. Only God can rekindle or rejuvenate. It takes God. I, I think of, of Lazarus and when he died. I want us to understand how important this is because because people are going through things. People are experiencing things. People are having challenges. The Bible lets us know that Lazarus had died and that three days had passed and that his body had begun to decay. And the Bible lets us know that Jesus took the scenic route. Jesus took his time. It never felt like to you God was taking his time. God didn't show up right away as soon as you called him. But sometimes God wants to make sure that things are getting dead before he shows up. And God made sure Lazarus was so dead that he began to smell and began to decay, began to rot. And then Jesus shows up on the scene. And he calls Lazarus by his name. Just like God is calling you by your name. God is calling your situation by his name. Just like Ezekiel 
call the dry bones what they really were. And when God called, God identified. Other people didn't get up out of the grave. The Bible didn't say that the, that the, that the streets was Rome was Roman with, with you know people that were dead, but it was when he called Lazarus that Lazarus got up from the grave. And the thing that I thought was so intriguing is that if Lazarus had begun to rotten and begin to decay, that means that when Jesus called him from the grave, that whatever it was that was wrong with him was no longer wrong with him. Not only did God heal him from whatever that disease or whatever it was that caused his death, but the things that began to rot, the things that began to decay, the things that began to identify him as being dead, lined up with the word of God, lined up with Jesus, lined up with God, with Jesus calling him. And I want you to understand that whatever it is that you are experiencing or whatever that you are going through, when the Lord puts his hands upon him, when God puts his hands upon him, when God identifies it and says enough is enough and calls you by your name and tells you to come forth, that you're going to come forth and you're going to shine as pure gold. And all of the things that that uh, identify you as not being victorious, as not being a winner, as not being successful, will no longer exist. All of those things will fall out off. And all the things that represent God are going to rise to the surface because we serve a God that is able and that can. God bless you, and we thank you, those that may have called in on the line to listen uh, to this Bible teaching. Uh, I want to say a prayer, and then I will be getting off the line. Gracious Heavenly Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus, as humble as I can, as humble as I know how. And I thank you, Lord, for sending your word on tonight, for you declare in your word that your word would not go out and return unto your voice. So I thank you, and I praise you, and I bless you, and I give you the honor and the glory for touching the lives of those that you saw fit, the lives of those that you were ready to touch. I thank you for it right now, because you blessed me on tonight, God. You, you encouraged me on tonight, Lord. You elevated me on tonight, and I pray that somebody else was blessed and somebody else was touched. And I ask you to look on every listener and bless them in a great, in a great and a mighty way. And I thank you, and I glorify you, and I give you the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, thank God. Amen and amen. God bless you. Um, this is going to conclude uh, the Bible study for tonight, and I pray that uh, you guys will listen again, and I will inform you when the next Bible study is going to be. God bless you, and have a wonderful night, a wonderful evening. God bless your heart. Thank you. God bless, bless you. you. Thank, Thank you so bless much. You. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Bless your heart. Thank you. Bless you, Pastor. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you, Gary. Bless you. The sister Maxwell? Yes. Yeah.
Bless you. Bless you. Yes, bless you. Talk with you bless later. You okay, mm-hmm. love you. Love God you. bless you. God bless you, bless you Pastor Lee. I truly enjoy the word on today. And um, I just thank God. It was so rich, you know, and very encouraging. So I truly thank God, amen, how God has placed you in a place, amen, to distribute his word out to the people of God. But truly, it is definitely broken down and definitely an encouragement. So I thank God for you, amen. I just can't get enough of the word, and I just thank God how God uses people, amen, to bring out the word of God, to encourage God. So God bless you. God keep you, amen. Be encouraged and continue on in the strength of God. Okay, keep praying for me. Bless you. Bye-bye.